So today we're going to talk about love, and yes, love's in the room. I couldn't have picked a better song to lead off with, Perry. Uh, that was not part of the plan. For, you know, I didn't conspire with Perry. I conspired with Michael, but not with Perry. Uh, but love is in the room, right? Because any time we're worshiping the Lord, then love is in the room. So, um, so we're going to talk about leading and loving with heart, relationships and resilience today, from, and, and talk about it from the perspective of a beautiful passage of Scripture uh, from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I need to give you just a little bit of background um, about me too and some coincidence about, about this message today. Matthew, if you can go to that next slide. This is an article from the Winston-Salem Journal in the spring of 1972. 48 years ago, in the spring of 1972, I occupied a pulpit at the First Baptist Church in Winston-Salem. I was a youth pastor. We had the youth took over the church at First Baptist uh, for a month. I got to be in the pulpit four times, actually helped deliver the message a couple of times. My message the last time that I was in the pulpit was about relationships. I hadn't remembered that until I was looking back at my scrapbook because I knew that I had an article and just to prove I'd done this before. <laughs> it may have been 48 years ago, but I've done it before. And I remember it, but it was about relationships. Michael and I were talking about this yesterday, riding around the coffee truck. And at that time, the church was planning a trip to Israel. What a coincidence, right? Or, or not. Or not. Maybe hand to God driving us here today. We, this wasn't even the Sunday that I was originally going to preach, right? Um, we switched that. So, um, so. Let's get started. Let's touch the fire. Sound good? All right. So let's, let's go to the scripture. Um, we're we're going to talk about, why do we talk about relationships and why do we talk about resilience? Why is it important for us to talk about those things? And it's important because of two people that, that I'm going to talk about a lot today. Because Jesus talked about relationships and resilience and so did Paul. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it in the context of four principal points um, I joked with Tim Wright that, that I, I didn't number my points today because it was going to go beyond four and Clive's all about four. <laughs> so I just didn't number mine. <laughs> but four principal ideas about relationships and how to lead with love and heart in our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. About how we lead and love in building stronger relationships with each other as church family. As we grow, because newsflash, for those of you who sit up front, turn around and look, we're growing, right? Uh, we're growing. So how do we build and maintain relationships with each other as we grow? Because as a church, if we want to maintain this sense of family, then we've got to be intentional about maintaining relationships with everyone else who's joining us, not just the first however many that were in your living room or however many started here in this cafeteria or how many ever came to the first members meeting or however many come in on May 15th. However, how are we going to maintain those relationships and keep it family as we grow? Because part of the secret of this place is relationships. Relationships with Jesus and relationships with each other. And then the last sort of focal point as we walk through this how do we build relationships as we seek to be soft in the community? Because 
That's got to be intentional too. It's coffee with a purpose. It's not just a cup of coffee. It's about building relationships. And so how do we do that? So let's go to the scripture. Um, so if you'll put up the, so, oh, wait, no, go back, go back. What a great graphic. So this is the ring of fire. I, I, I hadn't put the ring of fire on it when I asked Matthew to design a slide with a heart on it. And then with the words, I felt, felt feel your pain, Meg. I just had feedback from the, <laughs> so um, a new kind of heart with five chambers. And those five chambers are commitment, interest, honesty, respect, and passion. We, we think about a heart with four chambers. Well, this one's going to be five, and we're going to dissect that heart today in our time together and talk about how this heart made up of those five chambers connect to those four areas of interest that we all need to be focused on in our daily walk. So, now, Scripture. Um, so, I, I didn't bring the Bible my dad gave me. It's a Revised Standard Version. I like, the, I like, I like this diff, I like this better for today, and so, so, um, so I'll, I'll read this, and it's Philippians 4, 1 through 9, if you're going to follow along in your Bible or on your phone. Um, Matthew's done a great job of getting it up here for us, and it's a beautiful passage of Scripture, and this is, I know Clive will listen to this at some point, I'm going to say chapter 4, maybe I could say page 4, how about page 4 of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, page 4, so it's the last page of his letter to the church at Philippi. And so he's wrapping up and he says what? He says, therefore. And we've heard that word before. And he's meaning, that you've heard what I've had to say, so here we go. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again just in case you weren't listening. Rejoice. And in the, in the Bible, the second rejoice is also capitalized for emphasis. Now, that may have not come originally, but it's capitalized. Emphasis. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all, evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. So we're going to talk about commitment first. First, the first chamber of heart uh, is commitment. What does Paul say about commitment in the passage that we just looked at? He said, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. 
Stand firm certainly can, communicates a message of commitment. Um, and, and, it, and it anticipates that there will be obstacles that may cause us to get weak need or to shake or whatever. Stand firm, he says, and stand firm in this way. What way is he talking about? He's talking about the way he's talked about to us in the first three pages of his letter. He has charted a path for us. And he's saying to the church at Philippi, stand firm in this way, in the way we've been talking about through the first three pages of my letters. Stand firm. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. You hear the words of strength. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord. Commitment is an important word. Let's think for a second about what Michael has asked us to do as we look at journeying from this place to a new place. What has he asked us to do? Put it in God's hands. He has asked us to commit, not our plans, but commit the future of this church to the Lord. That's what he's asked us to do. Not so that we might have our own little ideas or, you know, rabbit holes that we chase or whatever, Give it to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord, and then he will help us with the plans. We're not going to be able to do that without him. And so commitment is so incredibly important for us. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Words of commitment. Commitment is so incredibly important. Acts 2, verse uh, 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Devotion is a word of commitment. Those are words for us. Commitment is about total surrender. Two weeks ago, Steve Mattis stood in this space and told you that Jesus is after our hearts. He is a fully surrendered heart as we seek to become fully surrendered disciples of Christ, right? Mission of Saltbox Church to become fully surrendered disciples of Christ. A fully surrendered heart. Not just our Sunday go to meeting heart. Not just I hear a really neat Christian song on the radio and sigh and say, aw, heart. Not just a church people heart. That won't be the last time I say the words church people. Y'all aren't church people, by the way. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. I've, I've seen church people my whole life who are holier than thou and sit in the pew on Sunday morning and judge people in ways I never have in my life, which is really interesting. And Michael and I have talked about this. I don't judge people. I, I decide their cases. I never judge anyone nor should we. There's one judge. Just one. And it's certainly not, certainly not me. So, um, and not our, oh, won't it be nice to help those people, heart? Those people, right? Because that's what I hear from church people talking about those people. I've been in rooms and heard those words before. No, it's our, I fully accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior heart. I fully accept 
That's the heart. That's, that's the commitment. Commitment is transformative. When we commit, it changes us. When we become fully surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, it changes us. So how can you tell that? You can, you can see it by the way people walk the walk, you know, because the way that Jesus charts for us is a path that's every bit as bright as the yellow brick road. It's every bit as bright as that, that green path in the TV commercial for some investment company that I, can, I just remember the green path. I can't remember even what company, right? The green path. But guess what? The path that Jesus charts for us even has guardrails. It even has guardrails because he holds us in the palm of his hand and will be with us at every step as we weave back and forth or hit potholes and we'll bounce off the guardrail and come right back on the path. All we have to do is believe, right? We have to be committed. As we become fully committed together as a church family, together as a church family and commit to each other, that is a powerful feeling. I have felt it personally on a number of occasions. You guys have prayed for me in ways that I have never been prayed for in my life. And I have felt that. You know, um, while we're on that, you know, I had several people say, do you need a stool this morning? No, I'm standing on titanium. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys, you guys help me through that. Um, as we are committed to each other as church family, then we are stronger because of that commitment. And we're all about being strong together as we seek to grow. And then as we grow, we need to find ways to be fully committed to our new members. As we broaden our family, as our family grows, it is so important for us to be fully committed. And then, as we step out into the community, we need to be all in. And the message that we share needs to be one of commitment. That when we go to a place, they understand that we're all in. You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have known Frankie Roberts at Link for a number of years and watched him on that journey. And, you know, after we went to Link at Christmas, Frankie said to me, he said, you know, usually when churches come to Link, they come in and they say, hey, how you doing? They drop some stuff off and they leave. Y'all invaded. <laughs> it's a sign of our commitment. So commitment is important across each of those four areas, whether commitment to Jesus, commitment to each other, commitment to the larger church as we grow, and commitment in the community. Commitment is so incredibly important. Commitment strengthens any relationship. And a, an author that I read a lot, James Maxwell, who has written a Blue Billion books on leadership. Y'all know how many a Blue Billion is? It's a lot. James Maxwell says there are four types of people. Cop-outs, hold-outs, drop-outs, and all-outs, right? So um, cop-outs have no goals and are just not willing to commit to anything. They're just not. They're just saying, not me, right? So hold-outs don't know. They can't make up their mind. They're not sure. They're afraid to commit. They're just not there. Drop-outs start the journey and then say, hm, done. They hit that first bump in the road, and they're, and, they're, and they're gone. All outs are all in. They're willing to make the plan. They're willing to take the journey. They're willing to stay true to the course no matter what. Paul was an all out. Paul was all in. Jesus was an all out. 
And Jesus was definitely all in for us, wasn't he? So as you uh, think about commitment, what are you? We're called to be all outs. We are called to be all outs. So commitment is the first chamber of heart. Make sense? Okay. We're awesome. The heart's getting ready to beat. So interest is next. Interest is the next chamber of heart. And, you know, Paul's letters are so beautiful because of the love he has for the churches that he planted and that he then ministers to. He, is, he expresses beautiful words to the folks in those churches that are supportive. He, is clear, he clearly loves them. He clearly is interested in them. He expresses his interest to them. Interest is important. Just a few verses from him. Verse 1 uh, in, in chapter 4, or page 4, excuse me. My, my brothers and sisters, you who I long for, my joy and my crown, dear friends. Do you feel that? Maybe that's how I should have started today. My brothers and sisters, you who I long for, my crown and my joy, dear friends, I have a message for you today. Maybe that's how I should have started. The words are so special and they are words of interest. Here he is clearly conveying that I'm interested in you. I care for you. I care about you. In verse 2, I plead with Yodia and Sintites to be of the same mind in the Lord. The backstory there is that these are two ladies in the church that were disagreeing or quarreling, and he wanted them to come together in the Lord. He cared about them. He was sending a message that you need to come together. We, I plead that you come together, that you can resolve your differences and get back on point ministering about Jesus. So that was his plea. And then he said, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women. And, and true companion just means that would translate like, um, for example, yes, and I ask you, my friend Tim Wright. It's a, it's a word of, of just a person in the church that, that would be identified. But, but my true companion helped these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. Paul is expressing an interest in that community. He cared he expressed that, and remember, this is a man who is in prison. He is in prison. He is in shackles. He is in wooden stocks, maybe. Michael's talked with some pretty clear imagery about the kind of environment that prison was, right? But from the depths of that, what would be despair for so many of us, Paul sends these glowing words of love and concern. How powerful is that? I mean... How much easier is it for us to be interested in each other? We're not fettered by chains. Jesus broke our chains. We don't have those chains. We, we have the ability to show interest and show concern and show love without having to be in the kind of pain that Paul was in. So Paul is setting a strong example for us. Philippians 2, uh, verse 4, it's a passage that we've looked at already this month. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let's do a full stop right there. Not to your own, but to the interest of others. Flies in the face of our secular world right now, doesn't it? Toby Keith uh, wrote a song, second country song today. I'm not... I'm not going to sing, Perry. Don't panic. I might later, but not yet. I'm not wound up enough yet. 
I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about mine. You've heard the song, many of you. I, I see you country music fans out there. <laughs> but that's how so much of our world is. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about mine. I want to talk about mine. And we're not about the interest of others. But Paul's words for us is that we're not to be about our own. We're to be about the interest of others. When? All the time. And who are the others? Everyone. And that means when a new face walks through the door or it's a familiar face, it doesn't matter. We are interested. We express an interest. We have concern. As we go out in the community, we show interest because people are people everywhere. Horton Hears the Who told us that from the gospel according to Dr. Seuss. <laughs> but those are words to live by. People are people everywhere. And we need to show interest in people, especially as we seek to become salt in the community. We need to show interest. Because we do live in a get-ahead world. We live in a world where church people come together on Sunday. I think that's the third time, Michael, I've said church people. Where church people come together on Sunday and then on Monday they're all about getting it for themselves and not paying attention to others. And there is nothing religious about that. There's nothing Christian about that. That's not how Jesus lived. That's not the message we get from Paul. The message we get from Paul is that we're to be interested in others, not ourselves. So back to relationships uh, for a second. Is it important in our walk of faith to show genuine interest in the word and in our relationship with God? You betcha. Just... God know? Yes, he knows. He knows whether we're sincere. He knows whether we're giving it our all. He, know, he knows. He's going to forgive us because we have that wonderful gift of grace and forgiveness. He's going to forgive us, but he, he knows, and he's calling us to be fully surrendered because when we say, I take you as my Lord and Savior, that means that I'm all in. And he's going to be patient with us as we work on becoming more fully surrendered because we're all sinners but but we but we're we're on that mission of being fully surrendered so it's important to be interested in our relationship with the word and our relationship with God because relationships are all is what we're about because religion is really about relationships we've talked about that here before religion is about relationships so as as we uh, show interest in each other as we start to grow, and you know how do we how do we show interest? Well, I got to tell you, I love showing up here to church every Sunday when I come up here. You walk up the walk. Good morning, Jay. How you doing? Welcome. Good to see you today. You know it's a running a gauntlet, but it's a gauntlet of joy. <laughs> you know, and then you walk in the door, and and you know in this in this winter, you know people are freezing out there and they're still standing out there and you know and then you walk in the door and it's warm and hey how you doing and have a cup of coffee and it's interest it's care it's concern it's clearly communicated I know each of you feel that too because I truly believe and my hat's off I wore the hat today because Michael asked me to wear it my mama told me not to wear a hat in the house but but Michael said, sorry, Mom. <laughs> but I know each of you have felt that too as you walk up, whether you're, 
you know, whether you're, you know, been with us for the journey or whether you're newer to our congregation, to this family, I know you felt it too because you get greeted with that warm greeting. So hats off to the volunteers who do that every Sunday and make everybody feel welcome. That's a way we show interest in our church family and as we grow with our newest parts of our church family. Interest is so important. And as we step out in the community and serve coffee or we step out in the community and go to Link and we volunteer to read with communities and schools or whatever we're doing, we need to be genuinely interested. Genuinely interested. Because if you're not genuinely interested, it shows. So interest is an important part part of heart. Genuine interest has to be involved or relationships can't grow. Any kind of relationship. And all these chambers of heart are important for any part of relationship. So interest is the second chamber of heart. Respect is next. Paul says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, well, that's better than dear friend, my true companion. Thank you for this opportunity, Michael, my true companion. I'm, I mean, that's, that's respect, right? That's what that is. I mean, dear friend is pretty good, but true companion. I mean, Paul is sending us a message there. And then he says, and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Respect to them. Their names are in the book of life. That's, a, that's like a wow. But that's the way he's communicating respect to them. Verse 8, he says, and I'm breaking verse 8 up through several different sections here, but in part of verse 8 he says, finally, whatever is admirable, and I'll substitute the word respectable, think about such things and put them into practice. Put them into practice. From Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and everything... Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Golden rule, right? Golden rule is all about respect. It's all about respect. From Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's about offering respect. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Show proper respect to everyone. What does everyone mean? It means everyone. Paul's pretty clear. He doesn't mince words. When he says everyone, he means everyone. Love the family of believers. So why is this important? If you don't feel respected, a relationship's not going to flourish. Um, if we don't respect and honor God, our relationship with with God with Jesus is going to be tenuous. We respect the power of the Trinity. We respect that relationship of the sacrifice that has been made for us. We respect that every time we worship. Um, but it's also important as we deal with others, and the really neat thing about respect is that it's got to be offered first. You offer respect and then it comes back to you. It's like a mirror. When you offer respect, it can be reflected back to you. But it starts with you, and it starts with you being willing to offer respect, even in some challenging circumstances. But that's important. So I've already talked to you about what you're supposed to call me here. Don't, you know, I'm not the judge thing, but I'm going to talk about the judge thing for just a minute. 
Because when, when, when I'm in court, there, there are folks who offer respect to me because of my office, because of judge. And when the bailiff wearing a gun says, all rise, they stand up, right? Um, but they don't necessarily respect me. I have to earn that respect every day I walk in the room. I have to, I have to earn that respect of every person I speak to. Every person. There's no 12-inch roller I can paint with. It's only an art brush, and it has to be every single person I engage. And I engage some people who have had it pretty tough in life, some folks who are experiencing a period of incarceration, some folks who have just had their babies taken away by social services, and over my career, some people who have murdered people, and also some grandmamas who had a speeding ticket. And, and I try to speak to them the same way. Because the words we choose, the tone of our voice, sometimes our body language, um, the, the way we look at somebody or don't look at them, or the way we listen to somebody or don't listen to them, all of those are ways that we can convey respect. And it's important for us to do that. And I have to do that on my daily walk. Because... In, in the world that I live in here in DSS cases and trying to heal families and get them back together, I, I need them to respond to what I'm saying. I, I need them to be willing to work to get it better, to get their right better, to fight the demon of opioid misuse. I'm asking them to fight a horrible battle, and if I can't earn their respect, then they're not going to fight the fight. What's at stake? Their life. Their life. Because if I can't convince them through my respect and through building hope and showing interest in them and being committed to them in the long haul, how are they going to be committed to fight that fight? How are they going to be willing to take on those demons and say, yes, I'm willing to work this because it's worth it, because I believe in myself? Offering respect is so incredibly important, and you never know what's at stake with the person that you're talking to. Words can change lives. It may be that you're talking to a person who has been having some thoughts about taking their life. And all they needed was some kind stranger to offer a few kind words, words of interest and respect, to say, hey, how you doing? And mean it. To wait for the response. You ever been walking down the street and saying, hey, how you doing? And realize that you've walked past the person before they answered? I have. I try not to do it anymore. Offer respect. Say, hey, how you doing and mean it. Wait for that answer. Offer, offer respect. So it's important for us to offer respect to each other, to our newest members. And then as we go into the community, as we seek to be salt in the community, we're going to go some places that are pretty tough. You know, when we went to Link, how many of you guys went to Link at Christmas? Raise your hands. What a, what, a, what a great day that was. And, you know, and, and we went in, and, 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 and everybody that we interacted with, almost everybody there except for the administrative staff, and even some of them have experienced a period of incarceration. They've been in prison. They're having a tough time in their life. But Saltbox showed up and offered respect. Humans are humans everywhere. And we, we, we walked that when we walked into that building. We offered respect. If we can't offer respect, then we're not going to get the kind of response that we hope.
That includes the people who don't look like us. Think for a second about who Jesus hung out with. Tax collectors. And in that day, it wasn't, I mean, mean, we can talk about the IRS, but, I mean, these were tax collectors. It was awful, right? Prostitutes, commercial fishermen like Steve Madison and I. Commercial fishermen are a pretty rugged group. When I commercial fished, it's... I hung out with some people that are pretty rugged, but that's who, I mean, but who were the disciples? They were like commercial fishermen, right? So, so that's who Jesus hung out. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders of the temple. That's not who he hung out with. He didn't hang out with the church people. He hung out with real people, and he met them where they were, and he offered respect to them for who they were. He didn't try to make something up. He didn't go hang out with the elite and say, well, you people will make it one day. That's not what he did. He went to the people and said, you're part of me. Come walk this journey with me. That's what he said. He turned his back on the church people because they didn't get it. They weren't ready to become fully surrendered because they were marching to a different law, right? They didn't understand surrendering heart. They thought they had the checklist when all you got to do is have a fully surrendered heart. Jesus offered respect and he calls us to do the same. So, as you're encountering folks who don't look like you, or who may have experienced a tough time in life, who may be down and out, they may just have been brought back to life by Narcan, because I talk to those folks. I talk to them every day, and I, and I speak to them like I'm talking to you. I even talk death and resurrection to some of them, because they've died, and they've been raised to walk in newness of life. Never thought about Narcan that way, have you? They've been raised to walk in newness of life, and we talk about that. They've got a new opportunity in life. I ask them to make the most of it. So ask yourself, as you're encountering folks who may challenge your comfort zone, because as Christians, we're called to step out of that comfort zone. Jesus did. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What would Paul say? What would any number of the other gospel writers or disciples of Jesus say? They would say offer respect. That's what they'd say. So respect is is the third chamber of heart. Next is honesty. Honesty is critical. Um, Honesty is is foundational. Every, Every one of these chambers of heart is important, but honesty is foundational because without honesty and trust, relationships can't develop, grow, and flourish. So honesty is a critical chamber of heart. Paul said in verse 8, whatever is true, think about such things and put them into practice. Whatever is true, think about those things. We've heard from Old Testament days, thou shalt not lie. Right? Rules to live by. Um, Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Everyone. Not just the person next door. Everyone is our neighbor. For we are all members of one body. What's that body? The body of Christ. We are all members of that body. And so honesty is foundational. From Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes the crooked paths will be found out. Whoever's honest walks securely. Honesty with ourselves and others and honest with our God. 
So, are we being honest when we're talking to God, when we're talking to Jesus and say, I love you, Jesus. And then we look down or minimize any part of his beautiful creation. And yes, I'm talking about people. Are we being honest? How can we love Jesus and be judgmental of other people? They're mutually exclusive. Love for Jesus means we accept everyone and we love them because we're all part of one body. And if we're being honest with our Lord and Savior who we are working to become fully surrendered to, then we love everyone. Not just people who look like us, act like us, who believe like us, whatever. We love everybody. And we're honest in our relationship with Jesus about that. Say what you mean, mean what you say. We've heard that all our lives, right? So honesty is part of that. It's, honesty is also about not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Okay? Because the words come easy. The walk is more challenging. But don't forget their guardrails to help. Okay? The road's not easy. Nobody promises a rose garden here. But we do have a promise of eternal life. But we stay the course. We walk the path. And we're honest in our relationship with, with Jesus. We're honest with ourselves, with our church family. As we grow our church family and welcome new, new folks in, we're honest in our, about our relationship, how we, how we worship. We're honest about how we feel about people. So when we say, we're so glad to see you here today, then we mean it, right? So when we go to Link and say, I love you, we mean it. By the way, Link gets it. They felt it. They believe it. So we've got to be honest about that. As we go anywhere else, as we serve a cup of coffee from the Yellow Truck Coffee Company, coffee with a cause, and we're having a conversation and say, I'm so glad to see you today, Bill. I care so much about you. I care about you. And we've got to mean it, right? Yes, sir. We've got to mean it. Because if we don't mean it, if we're not being honest, then we're hypocrites. We're worse than the, the Sanhedrin. And I personally don't want to be counted in that number. <laughs> I got another group that I want to be counted in, and I'm happy to be counted with, with you. We've got to be honest. So honesty is the fourth chamber of heart. Four down, four up. Let me say it that way. Four up, one to go. Passion. Save the best for last. You know, in Corinthians, Paul talks about faith, hope, and love. And love is in the room, and love is the greatest of them all, right? And passion is part of that. But passion is about more than the passion that you feel for the one you love or the, your family. Passion is also about how we walk our life as fully surrendered disciples of Christ. It's about passion. What did Paul say about it? In verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. And then he paused because he knew they weren't listening. And he said, I'll say it again, rejoice, in capital letters. Rejoice is about passion. Rejoice is about singing. Love is in the room this morning. It was in the house. You could feel it, right? Passion is about that feeling, that wonderful feeling when we connect. In, in verse 8, he says, whatever is praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about such things and put them into practice. 
And I love this from Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. I love that. Y'all know what sloths are, right? Sloths like move this fast. So what's Paul saying? Don't be slow about it. Be active about it. Be invested about it. Don't be slothful about it. Don't be creeping and crawling around like a sloth who's going to move about two feet in an hour. Don't, don't be slothful in your zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. That's what Paul says. Be fervent in the Spirit and serve the Lord. From Psalms 84, uh, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Sing for joy to the living God. Passion. Take your temperature today. Where are you on the passion thermometer? Do you wake up excited about each day? You know, the older I get, the more excited I am to open my eyes. (laughs) And sometimes I say it out loud and sometimes I say it to myself and I say, thank you, Jesus. Because every day is a blessing. And the older I get, the more fervent I am in appreciating the blessing, right? Uh, and, but, that's, but that's what it's about. You've got to, you, do you feel the fire of Jesus burning in you? Do you feel that fire? Have you touched the ring of fire? Have you touched the ring of fire? Because once you touch the ring of fire, you can't let go of it. Because it burns inside of you and people can see that ring of fire burning inside of you. You've got to have passion about what you do. Maybe you can tell I'm a little wound up. It's okay because I'm a believer, right? I'm like you, and it's okay to get wound up. It's okay to share your emotion to say, I'm excited about this. Have you ever been sitting in here listening to Perry and Jessica and Rick and the others sing and play, and you're, and you're singing along, and all of a sudden you, the words can't come out, and you're streaming tears? And those aren't tears of sadness. They're tears of joy, and you just can't speak. You can't sing because you're overcome with joy. That's about passion, and that's okay. Because Perry and them, they got it. They're rocking it up there. We can sit there and weep quietly and mouth the words and then join back in where we can get a hold. It's joy. It's passion. It's real. So let me ask you this. Is your passion a light that other people can see? Is it? What does that look like? What does passion like that look like? Come here, Michael. Stand here with me. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. That's exactly you sit down now. Thank you. So 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 Don and I have known Michael and Abby for eight or nine years now. They saved our son's life, our 18-year-old. They led him to Christ. Uh, we met at power camp and you know, came together there, and that was so powerful. And, uh, and, and Donna said, and I'm going to use the finger point that she said, she said, if Michael ever starts a church, we're going. <laughs> so um, Maxwell says that when you reach out to a leader in passion, you're met by an answering passion. You've got to do that. Um, we've got to care passionately about each other. 
now. We've got to care passionately about others as we grow. And yes, we've got to care passionately about our work in the community. So the ring of fire is complete. The ring of fire is complete. We've got our heart. Passion is the last chamber of heart. So let's talk about resilience for just a minute because this is a journey, right? This is a journey and there are bumps in the road. So what's resilience? Resilience is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, significant sources of stress, family relationship problems, health problems, workplace financial stressors, whatever, you know, the journey, the journey. Resilience is our ability to adapt. Resilience is our ability to respond to the bumps in the road. Resilience is our ability to stay within the guardrails and not ju jump the guardrail and tumble down the ravine. Resilience keeps us on that path. And that's incredibly important for us. Let's face it, earthly pain stinks. I used a different word in talking to Michael about that um, in his living room one day. Um, that's the cleaned up version for church, um, but it does. Earthly pain does stink. But that's why we don't try to manage that ourselves. That's why we look to another source of resilience, and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our relationship with Jesus is a protective factor in resilience language. It's a protective factor that can help us through the bumps in the road, through the challenges that we experience. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Paul was resilient, right? Paul writes these words from prison. He was resilient, and he calls on us to be resilient. The end of verse 5 and verse 6, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's the promise for us. All we have to do is ask and petition and use our love for Jesus as a protective factor. We do have a friend in Jesus. We do. I can't get the song from Toy Story out of my head. Can you play that for me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You've got a friend in me. I can hear Woody singing it now. You've got a friend in me. Well, that's what Jesus sings to us every day. You've got a friend in me. We have the promise of grace and salvation. He's near. We can talk to him. He will care for us. Go to that next slide, Matthew. So the picture's complete. We've got the heart. We've got relationships. We've talked about resilience. We've got to take care of our relationship with Jesus. We've got to take care of our relationship with each other. And as we grow, we've got to take care of our growing family. If we're going to be salt box to everyone, we've got to take care of that. And yes, as we seek to be salt in the community, as we seek to serve a cup of coffee with a cause, we've got to manage that with these chambers of heart, with relationships, and we've got to be resilient on this journey. And let's be that firm, supportive network for each other on this journey, because it's a journey and they're bumps. Let's be that firm, supportive network for each other. Resilient in the knowledge that we are leading and loving with heart bound together, bound together by the eternal love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because we are bound together. We are. He's our strength and our redeemer. It doesn't get better than that. So then Paul said in verse 9, whatever you've learned, put into practice. It's time to take the bread and the cup together as a family. 
be reminded of the sacrifice and the promise.